0: Welcome to the Energy Impact, Heal Yourself, Heal the Planet podcast, where we seek out the best tools that have helped people to heal themselves and the latest advice from top holistic practitioners in the area of health and wellness. We also have inspiring conversations with individuals that are helping to heal the planet and leave this world in a better place. How's it going everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Energy Impact podcast podcast. This one is with Genevieve Mora, and she is a co-founder of Voices of Hope and spent most of her teenage years battling mental illness. And she's a proud survivor and has made it her mission to offer hope to those fighting mental illness. And I came across Voices of Hope and I was just so inspired by how much impact they're having in the space. For such a small team, they're having massive impact. So some of the things we talked about are actionable steps people can take to improve their mental health, how she met Prince Harry and Meghan Markle to talk about mental health, what is OCD and how she improved it through medication and exposure response therapy, among other things, what voices of hope... Her charity that she co-founded is doing to create impact in the mental health space. We talk about gratitude journaling and that's come up you know, a bit on this podcast. The power of gratitude, how good. And we've got some links to some of the things we talked about in the show notes as well. So if you're interested in anything that we talked about that we referenced, there may be some links in there too. So without further ado, please enjoy. Awesome, Jen. Fantastic to have you on the podcast. Really excited to chat with you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I've seen the work that you and Jazz have been doing and I've just been really inspired and um, amazed with the impact you guys are having with such a small team and, and taking on mental health, which is such a pandemic. And yeah, it's been really inspiring.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think for Jazz and I, um, we feel so lucky to get to do this work and to get to wake up each day and use our lived experience to help people. Um, And I think we also surprise ourselves with the impact we've managed to have. Um, It's been pretty incredible to see what we've been able to do um, and the lives that have been able to be uh, supported through our work.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Can you just uh, describe for people that haven't heard of Voices of Hope what you guys do and a bit about how you started?
1: Completely. So we're a lived experience advocacy group. Uh, We started in 2017. Jazz and I were connected through a mutual friend. It's a long story, but that's the short version of it. Um, And we realized pretty quickly that we'd both gone through our own struggles with mental illness. And um, for me personally, I felt a lot of shame for what I went through. I was really embarrassed. No one was really talking about it. I felt like I was the only one in the world that was actually going through what I was going through. When I know now in reality, that wasn't the case at all. Um, And Jazz, you know, was in and out of the system. Um, She fought her own battle which I can, I mean, many of you have probably heard it before. Um, But we just wanted to come together and create something that we wish we'd had. There was no one Mm. that was doing what we were doing. There was no one to look up to and that we could see and be like, actually, they've gone through what we have. And if they've gone through it or got through it, I can get through it too. And so it really is just creating something we wish we had when we were unwell, um, inspiring um, real raw content that gives people hope.
0: Epic. And do you think that, was part of the journey to get healthier as well? I, I can... think,
1: yeah, I completely, I get what you're saying. I think for me, um, I definitely, I think I'm always getting better. I consider myself recovered. I'm, I'm a very well human being. Um, but I I definitely think, you know, just the process of listening to everyone's stories and, and being trusted with that, it's such a healing process in itself. Mm. So I think along the way, I've definitely got stronger and more knowledgeable. Um, and it's been almost like a sense of closure for that crappy time I went through. It's like, okay, I went through that. Yes, it sucked, but now I'm using it in such a positive way that maybe it wasn't as bad as it, mm. it could have been.
0: Yeah, totally. Like you've been through that for a reason and now I can Completely. help a whole lot more people.
1: Completely. Completely. To the point that I often say to people, I wouldn't change what I went through. It was the most difficult time. You know, anyone that struggled with mental illness or is struggling with mental illness will know it's one of the hardest fights you'll ever have to fight. But, you know, I'm very lucky now to be in the place I am that I can look back and actually be like, well, there were some silver linings. I met some incredible people. I had some incredible opportunities. I now have this whole toolbox full of tools that I can use if I'm faced with anything in my life ever again. Mm. Um, So focusing on that's been a really important journey for me.
0: Amazing. And, and speaking about meeting incredible people, you've met Prince Harry and Meghan Markle.
1: We did. We did, which was crazy. So we, um, I think I was in Vietnam at the time. I'm on a family holiday. I'm very lucky to travel a bit. Not now because of COVID. Um, but Jazz gave me a call and it was some, stupid hour of the morning and she's like ah the prince and um the prince harry the prince harry prince harry and megan want to meet you and i was like what are you talking about um and so it all sounded too good to be true and then fast forward a couple of months and we're sitting in a cafe having a coffee and some scones and slices with um prince harry and Meghan markle so it was pretty awesome
0: yeah so how did that all come about because i've seen the work that they're doing with his brother and partner two heads together and talking about mental health and yeah so so how did that
1: yeah so they were coming on a tour to New Zealand I think Australia at the same time and their focus was on youth mental health and so um, being the incredible people like I was quite blown away with who they were as people they were very genuine and interested and would have sat there all day and listened and and conversed if they could obviously it was a short time that we had with them Um, but they wanted to meet people that were working directly with young individuals that were struggling with their mental health and so we were there um, Lifeline were there 1737 were there and so it was really um, an incredible opportunity and a huge honour to be recognised as a you know organisation that's making an impact and is making such an impact that Prince Harry and Meghan wanted to meet us so um yeah it was it was really just a Wellington i think it was a high commission in Wellington or some can't even remember now it was so long ago but reached out to us and they were organising the event um and yeah we just kind of kept in contact with them and then next thing you know we're in a cafe having coffees
0: <laughs> just casually
1: just casually, as you do. Yeah, as you yeah, do. yeah.
0: Just another day of the week. Day in the day, um, completely. <laughs> and so, do you still keep in touch with them or the the mental health group?
1: Yeah, so we a big thing for us is collaboration. So we don't have any direct contact to contact, sorry, to them um in any way, shape or form. As you can probably imagine, they're private people and they've got their people around them. Um, we did head to London and met with um, heads together, the organisation, which was awesome. Mm. And so we've con- kept right. in some sort of contact with them, um, over the years. Not so much as of lately, but if we went back, we'd probably pop in and you know hear what they're doing. I think a big thing for Jazz and I is collaborating with other organisations, and especially in New Zealand, there seems to be a lack of that. And I. think we have a part in changing that too there's a lot of people doing good work but we're all doing it separately Mm. and i think if we work together there'd be a lot more impact um than there is at the moment
0: awesome that's epic and what were some of the kind of things discussed just in that
1: In that so long ago now i think a big thing for us it was an opportunity for us to share the work we do at voices of hope and to allow them to ask questions um they as i said they were very um Kind of interested in what we were doing and it was kind of an opportunity to learn from each other so we heard more about what heads together was doing and what the work they're doing is and we got to share what we're doing um which again just kind of comes back to the collaboration piece mm. so it was a really kind of open and honest conversation i think we had like 15 minutes with them and it, so it wasn't long at all and it flew by as you can imagine um but to just have the opportunity to share that with them um, and feel inspired by them as well was pretty incredible
0: yeah it's awesome to see such high profile people with um so much power yeah speaking yeah. about mental health and i was hearing prince william talk about how they when they first started they reached out to a bunch of celebrities and nobody wanted to work with them and these you know it's like the prince william prince yeah. harry and they're reaching out yeah to people you think people be like oh yeah i'm gonna um, hop on completely and I, but, yeah. and I think that
1: comes back to the shame and stigma and i guess it was such a brave and important move that prince harry and prince william made in order like you know coming forward and sharing their own experience and starting this organization because when people like that that are kind of like at the top of the top or are very well known come out and share their story like it's the same as the work we do at voices of hope i believe that anyone that shares their story when they do that it allows others to feel safe to do the same and so mm. it creates this really kind of safe environment and when you look at celebrities and you look at these people you think their lives are perfect and they're all together they've got the coolest job and you know they've got the hottest boyfriend whatever it may be when actually in reality mm. we're all human we're all human yeah. and we all go through difficult times um so yeah i'm I was going to say I'm proud. I guess I am kind of proud, but I'm also very grateful and thankful that they did step up and share and create something um, so incredible.
0: Yeah, totally. It seems like I feel really hopeful that this decade is going to be huge for a positive change in mental health. You know, we see stats that are um, really depressing and a lot of people know people (laughs) that have passed away by suicide or know, you know, like have a connection to that and yeah i think just so much attention is going on it now that Mm. Yeah, I do feel hopeful in that respect
1: And there's got to be change, mate I know my incredible co-founder, Jazz She was on the breakfast show this morning And she was talking about, you know The mental health system And the fact that they're even willing to mention suicide And talk about that on air Is such a change in itself Because for so long, they wouldn't mention it You know, it'd be kind of covered up in papers They'd they'd be tiptoeing around the fact That Mm. maybe someone did die by suicide And so the fact that it's even being talked about And getting this media coverage um, Is incredible Because again, it's creating a safe place for people to go and be like well actually this person that I saw on TV this morning is really struggling it's okay if I am too and here's what I yeah. can do about it
0: yeah but if totally. we're not talking
1: about it we're not you know letting people know that it's okay
0: yeah so is that kind of the main goal of voices of hope to talk about it more and what's kind of the avenues you see to help people
1: Yeah, so we definitely started off as kind of an awareness raising organization. We wanted to get, you know, raise awareness of mental illness and and let people know that it did exist and that there's things like depression and anxiety and eating disorders and OCD, bipolar, borderline, et cetera. Um, And over kind of the last couple of years, you know, there has been more awareness made and people know it exists. But now it's about finding solutions and creating Mm. change in this space. So a big thing for us is, yes, still the awareness raising, reminding people that they need to look after their mental health, that we all have mental health, but it's more about putting plans into action about how we can change these things. So whether that's holding government accountable, whether that's putting in pilot programs you know, into different places, trialing things out, um, you know, working alongside organizations to create better wellbeing practice within their workplaces. Um, it's a really large scope. And I think something that we've always focused on at Voices of Hope has been video content. Um, yeah. It's a really powerful way to spread a message. And the thing about it is that someone who's sitting in their bedroom by themselves it's in Canada or Japan or China or Africa you know can access this content and feel less alone and so um, a big part of what we do in storytelling is focusing yes on where they've been you know giving context to their story but focusing so much more on how they got to where they are now providing people with practical tools yeah. you know whether that's journaling or whether that's you know gratitude or whether that's you know having a coffee date with a friend once a week everyone uses different tools that can be really beneficial to a wide group of people so definitely more on kind of the um the solution based Work
0: now. Yeah, I love that because there is so much awareness around it and now it's like, okay, what yeah, can we do how, about it? how do does somebody go from not being well to being well? What Completely. are those action steps?
1: And there's gaps in the system, you know, we are reached out to by people daily who are putting their hand up for help, which can be such a difficult thing to do. But there's nowhere to turn to because there's a lack of resources, there's not enough funding, you know, people can't afford to get help. And so you feel mm. really helpless when someone comes to you saying, Hey, I want help, where can I go? And you almost have to be like, you know, these places exist, but we can't guarantee you're going to get in because there's a waiting list. You know, you you have to be able to afford private care, etc. And so, to be able to create hope and inspire people at no cost, you know, to be able to put these videos out and and inspire people that way, and they don't have to pay anything for that, um, is a really really um, incredible privilege.
0: Amazing. And so, if somebody's listening to this podcast right now and they're not in the best space mental health wise. Mm -hmm. From your experience of talking to people, from your own lived experience, what would you say some of the key steps are that they could write down to actionably improve their their state? (laughs)
1: So I think it's really easy to say reach out and ask for help when actually in reality that's not very easy for a lot of people and Jazz who I work with says something really amazing she says you know the people around us need to be reaching in we need to be checking in on our friends and asking the tough questions so that's what friends can do or people that are around someone that they may be worried about or just Mm -hmm. checking in in general because it's important I think if anyone's listening and they are struggling themselves it's really important to know first of all that they're not alone Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a big believer in like positive mantras I often write stuff down you know affirmations Gratitude. I think cool. when you're in a really dark place, it's so easy to focus on everything that's going wrong in your life. But putting down on pen and paper and saying, you know, I'm grateful that I have a bed to sleep in, I'm grateful that I got to wake up and see the blue sky. You know, focusing on those things can be really beneficial too. Um, I definitely believe getting professional help is important. I'm a big, big believer in that. Um, and ways in which you can do that is going to your GP. I know for some people, you know, verbalizing how they're feeling can be really difficult. So I often suggest people write it down, whether you write a letter to someone close to you you take a trusted Mm. supportive person along to the appointment Um, and I'm also a massive believer in journaling I found when I got my feelings out on paper it really did clear up my mind in some way because I think everything can seem so overwhelming and when you get it down on paper it is somewhat simplified Um, and I'm not saying do that and don't tell anyone that you're struggling because I think it's really important to talk to people around you but I think they are practices you can do yourself that can be really beneficial as well
0: Yeah, totally. It's some of the things I've been hearing. Over and over? Yeah, yeah, like the 35th or so podcast and ask people along the way what, you know, with a lived experience, what has helped them and gratitude has been a big one.
1: Yeah. And that's something I still try and practice today. You know, I don't do it every day, but I think for me, especially as someone I struggle with an eating disorder, I was really unwell with an eating disorder. And when you're struggling with something like anorexia, in my case, you know, there's so much focus on what's wrong with your body and what needs to change. And so being grateful for the things my body could do mm. and not focusing on what they couldn't do or what I didn't like about them was so important. And yeah, I, I just find gratitude incredible to this day. Um, And it really does you know on the days that i do do it when i first wake up it does start my day off on a on a better note
0: yeah totally i'm big into gratitude as well i do most mornings like a wim hof breathing awesome yeah i know a lot of people doing that at the
1: moment the ice baths and all that
0: yep yeah yeah when i can do the ice bath oh man that's good too i've heard amazing
1: things about that i'm yet to try it i don't really like cold water but i've got some friends that found it incredibly beneficial. And I think that's the thing with mental health. You know, everyone's going to find things that work well for them and maybe don't work well for other people. But um, there are so many tools out there, you know, self-help tools that we can draw on in those moments that we need them.
0: Totally. There's so many. And I think it's finding those ones that work for you and sticking to them like a process, Yeah, you know, like, okay, some days it's going to feel like maybe it's not really working. Yep. But just sticking to it as a process, as a habit, yep. writing down, okay, just write down three things what I'm grateful for, or just really it's feel different. it in the body. And trying to do those things each day, I think builds up like compound interest.
1: Completely. And I think there's I think it's like twenty one days to form a habit or there's some sort of number, I can't remember what it is. Mm. But, you know, it almost is that consistent you know, working on that, it does become a habit and it does just become part of your daily life. And, you know, something I often say is, you know, just like you wake up and you check your phone in the morning and you brush your teeth and you put your knickers on and you get dressed, you need to be checking in on your mental health and doing yep. those kind of, um, I don't want to use the word rituals because we're about to talk about OCD, but you know, the <laughs> um, the practices around that is really important.
0: Yeah, totally. How is it you guys have had such a massive impact with, with a small team? Because I'm thinking that, you know, some of these other organizations must have massive amounts of funding. Yes, I think,
1: yeah. And I think, sorry to cut you off, I think a lot of people from the outside probably think we have a bigger team than we do. We've managed to do some incredible stuff with really not a massive team at all. Um, so there's Jazz and I, and as of recent, we have um, two others that you know work part-time alongside us, just kind of supporting the organization, working in different areas. And that's been a very recent development that we've had them come on board. Um, so for a long time, we've really just relied on people, you know, supporting us voluntarily. Um, Jazz and I have just kind of worked, re- Ridiculous hours um, while also prioritizing our own mental health. Uh, but I think a big thing for us is just really using. Not, I don't want to say using the connections, but you know, asking for support and help. Um, hmm. we originally launched initially in 2014 and we were both young. We had no structure, we had no idea what we were doing. We had this big dream of saving everyone and you know creating getting mental health in New Zealand and we just didn't have the the skills in place. And so Voices of Hope shut down. And when we came back in 2017, which we now say is our launch, you know, that's when we came back and we were we were good to go. Um, we had a lot of structure and support. We have a board of trustees that you know looks after us. And kind of keeps an eye over us But I think a big thing for us um, And something that I've had to learn Jazz is much better at kind of jumping into things And and I'm much more like I second guess things, I'm like oh should we do this, should we not And a big thing for me has been about Trusting the process and you know Mm -hmm. just saying yes To opportunities and I guess it really does help that we're both so passionate and we've found our purpose, you know, get to wake up each day and know that we're making a difference is such a massive thing. And again, because we do stuff online, social media is just kind of blowing it up into this massive thing, um, which has been incredible because again, we're able to impact more people at once. And I think a big learning curve for us was that we can't save people. You know, we want to be able to be that person that saves someone and that, you know, Helps everyone on an individual level, but we can't do that. We're not trained, and it's not our role and responsibility. So, to be able to help people on the massives, masses, sorry, by creating uh, content that's really inspiring um, is a really cool kind of, I don't want to say a replacement of that, but it's a really cool avenue that we're able to
0: use. Mm, awesome. And what's some of the things that you guys have in the pipeline?
1: well we released a journal in january so we um, did a journal with penguin random house which is awesome it's a working journal called my journey starts here that's full of all the tools um and activities jazz and i use to get through recovery you know or support us through recovery um and although it's kind of targeted at people that are struggling with their mental health i think again it would be beneficial for any you know tom dick or harry it's very practical day-to-day activities and we have a clothing line coming out this year which is Awesome.
0: Nice. Um
1: so we've been working on that for a while. We announced it, I think it was in January. People have been asking for ages and just with COVID and everything it's slowing down. But we've got a clothing line coming out, which is awesome. Um and then in terms of projects, we're working on some cool projects. Um some that I can't really uh you know speak about yet because they're still yep, in the park. Fair enough. Uh, One that I can mention is we did um, a campaign last year called Unite Against Loneliness and it was about raising awareness of loneliness in New Zealand um, and broader but we focused more on New Zealand because this is where we were and COVID etc but that was about raising awareness of loneliness because it's such a huge factor for our teens and also our older generation and so the way we kind of combated that was by getting our younger generation um, and I guess just New Zealanders in general it wasn't necessarily the young to write Christmas cards to the elderly and we partnered with age concern and distributed about 300, 3,000, 3, sorry, Christmas cards um, around New Zealand. And the response from that was incredible. Um, not only for the individuals that received the Christmas cards because they were reminded that they weren't alone um, and it put a smile on their face, but also a lot of people messaged us saying that they found that they had some sort of purpose, you know, being able to sit down and write a card to someone. And it was almost that gratitude again you know while you're doing that you're like actually i'm very lucky that i've got friends and family that i can celebrate with or that i can be around while i write a card to someone that's going to be alone so that's really cool but um yeah we have some big things big things in the pipeline um but yeah i feel like everything's secret
0: (laughs) (laughs) awesome yeah i mean it's amazing i see you guys have like have you just recently released a book
1: Yes. Yeah. So that's the journal. That's the work. My journey starts here. Yeah. And um, yeah, so last year was a big year. Jazz released an autobiography of herself. Um, An autobiography, is it the way? Yeah. A book, it's all about her story um, as well as a movie and a TV series, which was awesome. Um, But I think, yeah, going into this year, it's more about that collaboration aspect and seeing Mm. how we can work alongside other organizations, whether that's, you know, campaign planning or, you know, just coming together in some way um, is going to be a big focus for us this year.
0: Hey everybody, we'll get you back to the podcast very shortly, just wanting to make a massive shout out to Energy Cryptocurrency. Energy Crypto is funding this podcast and helping the Energy Impact team to leave the world in a better place than when we found it. Energy was conceived by Tommy on the 4th of July 2017, which was Independence Day in the USA. It's created with the heart of freedom and liberation for humanity. Tommy's vision is that of a powerful, self-sufficient, and economically optimized cryptocurrency, which alone is very rare in the space. Combined with smart contract capabilities, decentralized governance, and strong moral leadership, as well as being a lot better for the environment because it uses proof of stake instead of proof of work. If you want to learn more about energy crypto, you can head to dubdubdub.energy with an i. .world or if you want to purchase some energy cryptocurrency one of the main exchanges where you can purchase it is KuCoin that's KU coin now getting you back to the podcast oh, i love that that's really awesome um well i guess let's change tack now and talk about OCD and that's yes. something that's very personal to myself and my brother who yeah. you said you met
1: i did meet. yeah we did the ten dollar challenge together for cure kids so i spent i think it was three days with him traveling up and down the country awesome oh, guy. awesome yeah and flash Small as well he, he was yeah a- and flash yeah. i still see flash quite a lot
0: okay yeah cool. yeah i do oh <laughs> uh, that's red. yeah i, I recognized
1: you. your last name though i was like i know you um so yes but yeah i mean ocd is something that i mean it's the same as kind of the eating disorder i can go more into it soon but I know a lot of people that are struggling with OCD, and it's one of those things that just isn't really talked about a whole lot, or yeah. is kind of, you know, flipped to the side and pushed to the side. And there's kind of, you know, people mentioning, oh, I'm so OCD and my room's so tidy, I have OCD, etc." cetera. Um, so, yeah, being able to kind of advocate in that space has been really inspiring too.
0: Yeah, I think there's a bit of a quite a misconception about OCD and hugely
1: hugely and i hope i can be part in changing that because i think when people make comments like that um and i've been very vocal like i've seen a couple of businesses recently and i've reached out and been like hey just you know i know you don't mean any harm but by using ocd in this light you're actually you know feeding into the shame and stigma that's already associated with ocd and and you know because it's it's a really important i think education is the most important thing um because people don't know otherwise but yeah i Yes, it's, it's chucked around very, um, what's the word? Not flappantly, nonchalant. I don't know what the word is. Nonchalant, yes, there we are, nonchalant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so what is OCD? I feel like you'll be able to describe it. So,
1: okay, so the way that I describe OCD, OCD is obsessive compulsive disorder. And I guess I can describe it as like my personal experience, it is different for everyone. Um, there are many types of OCD. For me, mine was about numbers and checking. So um, there was an incident that happened. I saw something on the news one night that created a lot of fear within inside me and my little 10 year old brain, in order to keep myself safe and protect myself, I started checking and I started counting things ritualistically and by doing that and, and engaging in these compulsions, I genuinely felt like I was protecting myself and that I wasn't gonna be hurt. So for example, um, I can't, that's The news thing is where I pinpointed it. Perhaps it started before then. I anxiety earlier, but the news is kind of the moment that I was like, yeah, that's, I saw that then became very uncomfortable with sleeping. So, um, I would check under my bed, I'd check behind my cupboards, I'd check my windows, I'd get my parents to walk around the outside of the house, Um, I'd check under my pillows, etc. Before I went to bed, and maybe before I went to bed the first night, it started once and I felt okay. And then the second time, it was, you know, twice and then three times. And so every time I kind of fed into that compulsion or that obsessional thought, it became more ingrained. And I didn't really know that there was an issue until I was around the age of probably 14. So I'd been going on a few years and it got to the point where it was really kind of um overpowering and overtaking my whole life you know before I left the house I'd have to have like an hour warning because there would be sort of a routine I'd have to do before I left the house um and a lot of it was about protecting myself but also protecting my family I was really worried that if I didn't do it um you know whether that's opening a door opening a drawer taking four sips of water um that something really terrible was going to happen and I think and you can probably agree like it's really frustrating because you know logically opening a door Mm. four times isn't going to be the difference between life and death Mm. but it's so real in your brain and so quick you just do it but every time you just do it Mm. it becomes more ingrained and so then you just do it a few more times and it's very complicated um but really not part of my life really at all to this day um there's still kind of a little couple of little things that i do here in the air but it definitely doesn't impact my life to the extent it did um when i was you know at the peak of it
0: awesome yeah it was a very that's...
1: roundabout answer sorry
0: <laughs> no no that's really good that that's epic that you have like successfully dealt with it you know
1: i think yeah i think it's, it's important to be transparent and and you know vulnerable in that way that i i mean when i find myself really anxious so i hate flying and i'm going on a plane this week and it's it's not to the point that i hate flying that i can't go on an airplane but i get really nervous and turbulence not fun and i find when i'm in anxious situations you know that part of my mind or that ocd brain (laughs) whatever it may be does pick up as kind of like a fight flight or flight response whatever it may be um and i feel really lucky now i had a friend describe it it's almost like the thoughts can come but it's like they're bouncing off an orb like I used to nice. not be able to not engage in them. Whereas now they come and I'm able to go, actually, that's not a good thought. We're going to like, you know, actually Jen, like by sitting up and down, that's not going to be the difference between the plane, plane falling out of the sky. So I have this awareness now that I didn't have for so long, which makes when those thoughts occasionally do pop up very occasionally, um, I have the ability to just be like, mm, stop, like we're not doing this, mm. um, which I feel very lucky to be able to have.
0: Totally. Yeah. Like more tools and like, like, I find it with myself, like the body system, my body, and because I see like body and mental health as yes. like you know the same thing. Okay. But my overall system is just more relaxed. Yeah. When when I am in a um in a more relaxed space, or like mm-hmm. for example, how I how my OCD really started, it was kind of a little bit when I was younger as well. Yeah. But. Not much. It was kind of like blinking a little bit between mm-hmm. lampposts and just random little things that um, didn't really have much of an impact, but it came on really strong at the end of university. So I was studying in the States mm-hmm. and um, had a soccer scholarship and stuff over there and everything was going really well. And But I was having some substances, so a bit of marijuana and um, that would kick off some, some paranoia and anxiety and then it would kind of go away maybe last for a little bit, like a day after or so. Yeah. Um, And then towards the end of my college over there, one morning just kind of woke up, had been drinking quite a lot the night before, and then it was quite bad, and then it just got worse and worse and worse And yeah. with these intrusive thoughts. Yeah. And yeah, long story short, I tried all of these different things to improve my mental state. Yeah. Uh, went to a psychiatrist and she said, oh, you have... OCD but more uh pure O yeah but I think I did have some compulsions then they're just like more under the rug or
1: and maybe not so um interfering as as opposed to the intrusive thoughts
0: yeah totally
1: which are awful because I've experienced those on the not to the degree that I think you probably have but um yeah they're not they're not nice thoughts either are they
0: (laughs) oh totally and being uh, a soccer player and like battling and sort of Mm -hmm. um doing things in life where you fight against it or you kind of you know have an injury and then you kind of work hard it's kind of the opposite you have to let the thoughts come and not be so worried instead of trying to fight the thoughts in your own mind
1: completely and that was a big thing for me which i'm sure we'll get to but like a big part of my recovery process was learning that thoughts were just a thought and so when Mm. i had these thoughts pop into my head or this this worry that you know something terrible is going to happen to my family if i didn't do anything learning to just sit with that anxiety and i do this in my psychology sessions you know i'd walk in and you know for instance, you know, maybe my rit- ritual was that I had to open the door four times before mm. I sat down in my psychologist appointment. You know, he'd only let me open it once and then I'd sit in the chair for as long as it took for that feeling to pass. And it mm. always did. And it was just kind of that constant repetition, repetition is probably not the right word, but that constant practice of doing that that made me realize, you know, by not engaging in these rituals, they do actually disappear or become a lot less significant. It's when you engage in them that they become a a lot more ingrained um, and hard to tackle. And so it was things like, I remember one of my first appointments, I had like a thermometer drawn on a piece of paper and I had to write down, you know, all my obsessions. I think it was my actual compulsions or rituals to write down the ones that were going to be the easiest to stop at the bottom and the ones that were going to be the hardest to stop at the top. And we started with the easier ones because as I managed to kind of move those Mm. to the side, It almost gave me some sense of power that actually, if I can do that, I can work on these big ones too. Yeah. So it was a really incredible, I mean, at the time it wasn't incredible. I hated it, you know, so much, but it was, I mean, now I'm able to say it was such an incredible learning process. And like I said before, I now have these tools in place where I can be like, nope, nope, you know, and and kind of send them
0: wherever I send them. I don't know. Just orb them away. Orb them
1: away. (laughs) I really love that. I need to figure out her actual definition of it. But yeah, it was, yeah that's, that's how I'll describe it today.
0: So do you think that was the key thing that starting to do that, uh, emotional response therapy or yes. the...
1: yeah. Yeah. So it was exposure therapy. So that exposure was a big, um, exposure therapy. was like, I mean, it was very a massive combination of things. Um, I was medicated, yep. which I know different for everyone. Some people believe in it. Some people don't for me, it was incredibly beneficial. Um, I also, you know, did DBT, CBT, but it was emotional response. Uh, sorry, exposure therapy. I think it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? Emotional response therapy. Anyway, exposure therapy Mm. that was very um, beneficial for me. And for those that don't know, exposure therapy is when you're exposed to the source of the anxiety. So you're really facing it head on, which is so difficult because it's kind of the thing you've been avoiding. But it's like a saying that i love and it says the only way out is through you do have to face it head on and tackle it you know face to face to be able to work through that Um, and i was very lucky to have an incredible psychologist that worked alongside me as well as support from my parents to get through that time
0: Mm -hmm. with people asking uh that are out there that do have ocd or anxiety is there places that you recommend they can go online
1: Yes, I mean, I can, so if you're in New Zealand, this is where we'll start, if you're in New Zealand, um, there is a support group on uh, Facebook, which I am an admin of, I'm not very active, there's some people that run it that are incredible, but I'm I'm there, um, called Fixate, and it's a support group for people that are struggling with OCD, or have a family member, a friend, um, and it's a really safe group of about, I think there's about 300 people on there, Um, that's you know you can ask questions and you can get recommendations of psychologists or places that you can get support and your videos are posted there that you know if, if someone's talked about it out about their experience to help you feel less alone And so fixate does exist um again my best advice and this is kind of where there's gaps in the system again is would be to go and talk to your gp and just mm. explain how you're feeling um or perhaps it's a school counselor a university counselor explain what you're going through and i know again like i said before writing that down can actually be really helpful because it can be hard to get that out on paper um, and a big thing is reminding people that um, they would have heard this before. You know, the psychologist would have heard this before. I know there's a lot of fear and worry about judgment. And You know, are they going to think I'm crazy? You know, mm. this is such an odd behavior. I know that, but I can't stop doing it. But they will have heard it before and they're there to support you. Um, I know Anxiety Trust New Zealand. There's some really great places out there, the Rosalie Clinic, um, that, you know, are available for support. Um, and then there are some incredible resources online. I don't have them on the top of my head, um, but but there are some incredible Instagram accounts. I follow someone called Obsessively Ever After, I think that's her name. Um, and so there is a lot more awareness about it um, where you can find hope and inspiration and some really practical tools too.
0: Hmm. I know what you mean when you you say sort of, you know, what all the... The doctor think or the psychologist or psychiatrist that was yeah. one thing you know i was like in the states and going to the library and trying to look up what yep. was going on or on google which is a terrible idea and because it's like you know Completely. lists a whole bunch of different things that could be going on and yeah never google anybody. it <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: never google it yeah
0: and then when i went to the psychiatrist the psychiatrist is just like oh yeah i think you got this and it was like yeah okay yeah put me at ease a lot more of like she was just super nonchalant about it just like oh yeah
1: completely and I think again that comes down to the awareness piece you know there's sexual harm OCD there's lots of different types like I said and some are less um, or more stigmatized perhaps than others and I can imagine that some would be way more difficult to talk about than others but at the end of the day what I try and remind people is there's always help available and you just have to take that first brave step and yep. say, actually, I need some help and support. I really do believe that when you do that, it's the first step towards the rest of your life. You know, by acknowledging, number one, that you're not okay and that you do need support, whether you feel completely comfortable with that or not is another question. You know, that doesn't actually really matter at this point, but being able to say to someone, um, hey, look, this is what's going on for me and I want to get through this. Because mm. I think, you know, when you do hold that and you don't share that with anyone else. It just weighs you down even more.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. I remember speaking to my just close family and maybe a few friends as well, you know, and I didn't think it was good that I didn't tell everybody when I was going through that because some people might not be able to hold that or aren't going to be interested or not know what to say, but just telling some key people in my life helped to unload, you know, some of the weight off my shoulders and start the process of okay i've got somebody's there that's like got my back they kind of know what's going on now and we can start to get help and start moving forward
1: And I think that's such an important point. I think, um, you know, you don't have to scream it from the top of your lungs. You know, I've got OCD, I'm struggling, I need help. But to be Mm. able to, you know, pick a few people that you really do trust. Mm. And again, that might be a school counselor. Sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger than it is to talk to someone, you know, in your close network. But just as long as you're not holding that to yourself, because um, as I've said 99 times already, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved. And um, people want to be able to support you and people aren't psychic. They can only help you if you're giving that information.
0: Yeah. What are some of the things that you've done sort of holistically that you've found that's helped sort of?
1: In terms of my OCD recovery? Yeah. I think just again, mental health. Yeah, I think, again, it would come down to, like, the gratitude. Um mm-hmm and and focusing on on that i'm i've always been like a big kind of goal setter and planner and so i haven't necessarily done anything Um, i've tried yoga a couple of times um but a big thing for me um and again i've tried meditation i haven't really stuck to it i think meditation would be super beneficial for me but i just that's one of my goals. I need to work on meditating because I think it would be good for me to slow down. Um, but yeah, the, the biggest thing for me is just being journaling um, and talking to people uh, and, and gratitude and goal planning. I love vision boards. I love making vision boards and Red. like planning ahead and putting goals yep. out and being like, I want to do this. This is where I'm going to live. You know, I think mm. um, a big thing for me and especially was when I was unwell, my psychologist taught me, you know, every time I have an urge to engage in a behavior, ask myself, is engaging in this behavior getting me closer? Closer to my goal, and my goals were so like stuck in my brain and around me because I had them posted up everywhere. That sometimes it was enough to actually be like, no, if I'm going to open the drawer four times, that's getting me further away from going to you know Croatia than yep. it is getting me closer. And so having those real practical tools in place was really helpful too.
0: Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, having something in the future or being excited about things—it's
1: a huge thing. Because, and I think it can be really hard, you know, when you're struggling just to. To live or survive it can be hard to be excited about anything else and so you know my advice to people that if they're struggling to to find it hard to be excited about anything is to look at people around you and not compare your life to them that's not what i'm saying but you know you might have friends that are you know going on a girl's trip or they're you know going out for dinner and those might be things that you want to be able to do and using that as inspiration to get better you know to be able to go out for dinner and you know not worry about it to be able to go Mm. to a big social event and you know not worry about it and picking little things like that can be helpful too
0: yeah and because it's it's a bit harder when nobody's looking or it's easier when nobody's looking to just do the compulsion but you know when when a bunch of people are around and yeah it's harder because it's just sort of like oh what are these people gonna think so doing it when it's easier you know
1: And I think also something that I learned was like practicing my tools in the moments that I was feeling really on top of things and really positive and having a good day because then in the moments that I was like, okay, today's not a good day or I'm having these really strong urges, I'd practice these tools, whether it was journaling or gratitude or, you know, talking to my mum. And so they were easier to draw on because they were almost more cemented into my life than just being like, and I think it's really important to practice those when you are, you know, in a good place so that you Mm. do have them there. Um, Great idea. Because there's a quote I heard the other day and it said everything you need Everything you need is within you. And I really liked that because I think as human beings, we have so much like instinct and we know what we need to do. Um, and and I found my psychologist really helpful in kind of giving me new tools and techniques. But, you know, breathing is important yeah. too. Just stopping and breathing. And, you know, whether it's box breathing or three in, three out, it's different for everyone. But, you know, we do have a lot. I used to like clench my fists a lot and then slowly release them. We do have a mm. lot within us that we are able to use as well
0: totally i love that when you are feeling good to continue doing the things cuz it might be like and i can tend to do that too slack off a bit but i oh, think oh i'm the same <laughs> resiliency is building that resiliency there's something sort of empowering with that and knowing that okay i'm like sort of fortifying myself and like okay. sharpening the the tool of yeah when I do feel not so good, I've like built this resiliency to yeah, be well, like, able to. And I guess you know, the
1: same, it's like, it's almost like an instrument, you know, if you sit, if you leave a guitar sitting on, you know, play it one day and then you leave it sitting there for a year and then pick it up again, you're not going to have the same skills as you would if you, you yeah. know, had a little practice every single day. Yeah. Um. So I think it is so important. And again, easier said than done. I'm guilty of it too, you know. Um. But yeah, in the moments that I have practiced in my good moments, I found it really beneficial in the ones that weren't so good.
0: I love that. That's awesome. I just want to talk about the um, medications as well, because for me, they, I didn't find them as helpful, but I have talked yeah. to people that have found them really helpful. And so I'd love to talk about your experience with medications and sort of getting that dose right, or if you had to try different things as well or go to different doctors too
1: yeah so obviously i'm not a health professional and i suggest that anyone that is thinking of taking medication talks to someone that is a health professional um i'm very pro medication because it was you know helpful for me and again it's a very personal choice um as i said some people are like absolutely no way and others are like you know a thing for me was i i was like sorry i was like if um if there's something that can perhaps help me ease this pain and these thoughts then i'm willing to try it and for me it worked. And so. There definitely was a period of um, adjusting doses. Um, I think I was actually very lucky where the first one I went on was kind of, you know, it worked. It wasn't like I had to try a number of medications, but if you are someone that does have to go through a few, that's okay too. It's like a psychologist. You might have to try a few before you find one that fits. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely doses were adjusted, um, you know, increased, and then increase was giving me side effects. And so we decreased them and played around with them. But having a psychiatrist to, uh, work alongside that with me was incredibly important um, because they know how they work um, and it was also very important for me to be open and honest about how I was feeling um, something I often talk about is that people can only help you with what information you give them so if you're going to your psychiatrist and you're saying oh I'm feeling amazing and everything's good when actually you've had the worst week of your life then of course they're not going to change your medication or they're not going to change your plan because you've said it's been perfect not, they can't read your mind um, and so that yeah, required a lot of honesty um, and patience well well in terms of trial error trial error
0: and how long did it kind of take to to kick in or to feel the benefits uh,
1: it was so long ago now we're talking like 10 years um, i'm still on a small dose of medication now um my anxiety is something that's kind of stuck with me um to a much lesser degree, but it's something that I'm still uh, medicated for and perhaps will be for the rest of my life. My mum struggled with depression when she was younger and she's still medicated and has been for years and years and years. Um, And again, it's a very, very personal thing. But I think, I think they talk about like six weeks. And again, I think it's different for everyone. Some people might see more of like a um, instant reaction or an Mm. instant kind of lift of whatever it may be or happiness whatever it may be um whereas for me i think it did take a little while to kind of find that dose that worked um perhaps over a few weeks but i can't really remember um yeah how long that took
0: okay yeah i remember the psychiatrist was saying that for me to go on an ssri okay, so i don't yeah. know if that's the same i've
1: heard of it i've i've heard of it i mean are there are there a lot of medications that fall under that
0: yeah oh, exactly. yeah probably.
1: i'm 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 not very clued up on medication yeah um, neither, i just think so. it's such a such a personal choice but um yeah again for me it was just really beneficial um and in, yeah and in supported me getting better um i needed well i didn't need it but it yeah, really did support my recovery
0: yeah i think that's if it's gonna help you know or if there's something out there that can help you it's like why not try it
1: Completely. And I know people that say absolutely no way, not willing to try it. And then that's their choice. And that's fine. Um, But for me at that point in time, and I think it'd be the same now, I I mean, my mum had been medicated, it wasn't kind of like a foreign concept in my family. Um, But I was so desperate for any help and support. That if there was something that I could take that would ease that, I think it's really important to mention that medication doesn't cure it. Medication kind of you know helps in some way, but you've still got to do the hard work. It's not like I took a pill and suddenly I didn't have you know any thoughts or anything. I had to work mm-hmm. on. Yep. It was something that I did alongside my psychiatrist and my diet. Um, I'm sorry, not a dietitian. My psychiatrist and my um, psychologist. You know, we still had like to yep. work really hard. It's not a miracle cure in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. But it can be very helpful.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things that I think there is it's a lot of work and for myself now too i've had periods of just way worse anxiety and feelings of ocd yeah and for me it's come from taking different substances Mm -hmm. more Mm -hmm. so as well like Mm um a couple of years ago sort of did way too much mdma right yeah and it really just like threw things out so it took me a while to learn that okay i don't i shouldn't be doing different sort of medicines or substances completely completely whatever you call them um
1: and i think also like i've talked to a few people that you know alcohol can also i mean they talk mm. about anxiety and i like going out and having a few drinks with my friends every now and then but um i do feel myself you know being more anxious when I do consume yeah. alcohol and so you know it's coming it's it's now for me it's like is it worth that like how yeah. can we manage that sort of thing and I know a lot of people struggle with anxiety you know the next day when maybe they've had a few too many wines whatever it may be um, and I had a friend recently say to me you know that she she struggles with OCD and she said the same thing you know when she's feeling anxious after a night out her OCD does flare up if that's the right term, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it definitely does. And I think, I mean, like you said, you're aware that there's things that make it worse and things that make it better. And if you can avoid those things that make it worse, um, you know, unless they're crucial to your life, then, you know, then it's really good to do that.
0: (laughs) Totally. Yeah, sleep's been another big one as well.
1: Yeah. In terms of sleeping more?
0: Sleeping, um, making sure I'm getting, yeah, enough hours and going to bed early enough too. But I think sometimes in the summer, it's, you know, there's a few more sort of gatherings and whatnot and
1: completely i'm like a professional sleeper i'm so oh, good at nice. sleeping yeah i am um, i can sleep anywhere anytime place. i'm a really yeah, good a napper as well Yeah, a very good skill um but superpower. i know for me superpower completely and i know for me like it's very it's, it's healthy now but i know when i was unwell um especially with ocd you know sleeping was the only time my mind was quiet and so i would hmm. do it a lot because it was almost like an escape to the point that i was probably sleeping far too much and it's the same yeah. as people depressed you know you sleep more you have no energy you don't want to get out of bed um but yeah i'm the same it's such a it's such an important thing for me now i know that if i don't get enough sleep throughout a night i'm not going to be a happy girl the next day and so yeah prioritize yeah, yeah. sleep. i completely agree with you on that one
0: yeah awesome well thanks so much for coming on um yeah it's been such an epic conversation is there anything else that where can people find you guys i know sort of voices of hope on instagram and yep. yeah just anything else that you want to yeah so um share. voices of
1: hope on instagram um and facebook whether the voices of um for our website it's getting redone at the moment which is exciting Ooh, um nice. you can find me at uh genevieve moore on instagram tiktok too i do a bit of ocd content on tiktok um and I guess, yeah, my biggest advice is if you're struggling, do speak to someone. Um, and, you know, there are helplines around if you don't want to talk to someone in your close network, but just remember that you don't have to do this alone. Um, and thank you too, Nick, for sharing your story. It's, I, I love conversations like this when they're so open and vulnerable because, I mean, it's so, such a big part of my life now, but it's still such a rewarding experience to hear people talking about them, their own struggles um, because I wish I'd had that when I was unwell you know mm. so it's real cool to yeah thank you for having me that's what i'm getting at Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: thank you so much for coming on and yeah likewise of sharing sharing your journey and going out and helping others too i think it's yeah it's such an awesome thing you guys are doing
1: well thank you i'm pleasure meeting you as well and i'm sure i'll see you around
0: <laughs> yeah sounds great thank you awesome
1: amazing what a good chat thank you so much
0: hey everyone Just wanting to let you know about our website, impact.energy.world, where we have information about how you can heal yourself, heal the planet, and empower yourself. We've got amazing teachers on there and different educators that you can learn from, and also information uh, around how you can best utilize this time as well with a specific COVID-19 page of practical information of how you can improve your life, in the current state of affairs that are going on in the world. So head on over to impact.energy.world. Much love and look after yourself.